This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle. This episode of All Possibilities is powered by Sennheiser, the future of audio. As you all know, I had my first baby back in February. Jonathan is an absolute joy, and it took a conscious commitment to spiritual growth to help me get past fears that were holding me back from starting a family. This is part of a series of episodes focused on what is possible in pregnancy, birth, and having a family. Whether you're thinking of having a family, have written it off for a variety of reasons, wanting to delay it, or you have your own worries about it, you'll learn about tools and techniques you can use, how to overcome fear, and what it takes for you to embrace your own circumstances, whatever they may be. so excited to be here for one of our first live events in a while. Our live event uh, was actually over a year ago with our inaugural episode, and since then we've had over 70 episodes, and since then I've also had a baby, our first baby, our six-month-old baby boy, Jonathan, And, and so this is my first public appearance since then. It's been quite a transition. So I'm just so thrilled to be here. Thank you, everyone, for being here in Corsite for, for hosting us. So what inspired um, me to reach out to Amy was actually because of having Jonathan. I came in with a lot of fear about having a baby, about what it means, about what it uh, means for my physical body. And I realized that um, I had a lot of beliefs that I was physically weak and that this was something that uh, was probably instilled in me from my mom, you know, like overprotective Asian mom, like super overprotective. And and so I went into it thinking, you know what, I don't know if I can physically handle it. Um, and so what I was looking for was just positive stories, like people who who saw that there is something more that you were and could actually counter these very, very ingrained beliefs. And so I am absolutely thrilled to introduce Amy because I feel like this is just part of a very synchronistic path that I think we are all on. Amy, Amy Ropp is a, an acupuncturist an herbalist, traditional uh, Chinese medicine or oriental medicine. I don't know what's, um, how, it's, how it's referred, yeah, interchangeable. interchangeable. And, um, and also the author of Body Belief, How to Heal Autoimmune Diseases, Radically Shift Your Health, and Learn to Love Your Body More, published by Hay House, among many other books. So I am absolutely thrilled to have you on the show today and for... Um, to have you, you know, trek all the way here um, to, to be part of our live event today. Thank you so much, well, Amy. Thank you so much. I'm so honored to be here. Thank you. Welcome to the All Possibilities podcast. I'm your host, Julie Chan, intuitive life purpose coach and founder of Being My Purpose. Together, let's embark on a discovery of all possibilities. So Amy, why don't you start off by sharing with us what inspired 
you to be on this career path? What was going on in your life? Gosh. Um, so I had always wanted to be a, a medical doctor. That was my initial intention. Um, I My undergraduate degree is in biology. I went to Rutgers University. And one of the greatest blessings of my life was I did not get accepted to medical school the first time I applied. And I did poorly on my MCATs. And that was a huge trauma in my life for a long time. And I've worked through it and now get to see the other side of it. And that led me on a path towards, you know, I was doing graduate work in neuroscience. Um, I was out at UCSD in San Diego, California. And through a series of synchronistic events, it was very synchronistic. You know, I can look back and really see, I mean, I was waitressing at the time and I would train all the new waitresses and we had a new girl, a new hire, and she had moved out uh, to San Diego to go to the acupuncture school. And I had known about acupuncture. My mother went to acupuncture when I was younger, but I kind of felt my mom's very, you know, into all these alternative things and very interesting, you know? So I thought, oh, that's just my mom, you know? Um, and she would try to get me to go for injuries or something like that. I was a gymnast. And then at the same time, the the mentor that I had out at UCSD, was, his wife was going through treatment um, for breast cancer, and they were using acupuncture as an adjunct to help with her side effects of chemotherapy. And he became, so he was, you know, a tenured professor at UCSD, you know, was, was um, part of the, the medical school and towards the end of his career. And he was very interested in alternative therapies. And he was reading this book called The Web That Has No Weaver, which was written by a guy uh, named Ted Kapchuk. He's a, a professor up at Harvard. He's a huge researcher in the placebo effect. But he's also an acupuncturist and a practitioner of traditional Chinese medicine. And so the same time, my grandmother was going through Alzheimer's disease and um, slowly just, you know, falling apart um, in front of our eyes. And that was very devastating to my family. And I was researching Alzheimer's disease. That was my main job. And we were just, you know, taking these cells in a Petri dish and, you know, putting this protein in and seeing if they were dying and... You know, then we would have these lab meetings, and I would always say, um, but we're not looking at the whole picture, guys. Like, what about what else is going on in their life? Because at home, I was watching, and my grandmother had lost her job. She had lost her partner. She was depressed. She had a poor diet. You know, what about all these other factors? And it was like crickets. You know, no one would even respond to anything. But my mentor, uh, he, you know, him and I would sit in his office, and he would, you know, just talk to me about, like, you have so much compassion and I just not sure this is the right field for you. And he urged me to read this book, the web that has no weaver. And I remember I came home to visit my family. We were down in Long Beach Island in uh, Jersey and I was reading the book on the beach and it was just one of those, you know, kind of aha moments. And when I got back to California, I met another guy on the floor, um, an Asian guy from China who of course happened to be, he was a neuropharmacologist he was also a Chinese herbalist, and he taught Chinese herbology at the acupuncture school. And this was all within like a matter of a couple of months, I suppose. And so the new hire at my, you know, the restaurant I worked at, you know, I asked her questions, and she told me about her mom, and she was um, very ill with diabetes her whole life. And she said Chinese medicine was the only thing that helped my mom. You know, she was going to lose limbs. And, you know, there was so many 
issues that she watched her mom go through as she grew up and, and she saw what acupuncture did for her mother and for her life and, and Chinese medicine, really. She was on herbs and a lot of dietary adjustments and things like that. And so I did. I just kind of took a leap of faith. I, I checked out the school and I don't know, I guess it was just, it felt right. And I just never looked back. And then that was, that was almost 20 years ago, which is wow. really interesting. And and ever since then, I just it just fell into place. You know, um, Chinese medicine school was super easy. You know, meaning it just all felt really right, and you know, it just explained medicine in such a different way. It wasn't, um, you know, Western medicine has this approach of treating the branch, as we say in Chinese medicine, and Chinese medicine is about treating the root. You know, getting to the root of the disease, discomfort, disharmony in the body. Also always looking at not just the physical manifestations, but the emotional component to any discomfort or disharmony in the body. You know, we see any any ailment as a sign that chi or energy is not flowing properly through the body. And so acupuncture is one mode to kind of help things move. But then we also use diet and lifestyle and meditation and mindfulness and you know, and we, we talk about our beliefs and Chinese theories. And, you know, so it just, it all really just made sense to me. And and then from there, you know, I went into private practice. And then, I don't know, it just kind of all unfolded from there. That's fantastic. I love how it, it really was a, a series of synchronistic events. And I yeah. think a lot of at least our lives or what I hope my life is, is, is a series of those that mm-hmm. we just follow, like cookie crumbs. Yes. Um, I find it so fascinating because I grew up Chinese, you know, Chinese American with my family. And so uh, I guess it was part of our culture to to have Chinese medicine or at least the maybe the philosophy behind it. And growing up in New York, I always thought it was questionable. I was like, why? Well, this, this just doesn't make sense. There's, you know, the Western approach. That's the right way. And and it took a very long time until I saw the merits in in how I grew up mm-hmm. and that it was it was not, you know, crazy stuff that my mom was making me eat or drink or, or you know, live by. <laughs> um, I mean, one of the things that, that I had to do uh, in traditional Chinese culture after you have a baby is that you have this one month long sit period where there, there are all these different rules, uh, including, you know, whether you can bathe, you have to bathe with ginger water, you have to have bone broth. And basically, I felt like I was in house arrest right after having a baby with my husband, my poor husband had to, had to deal with all of that, too. But it was, but I think looking at it now, I think, makes of the course, most sense. it makes the most sense. Absolutely. It's, it's having the physical support system as well as the emotional kind of family support and system. And the nurture there. and nourishment to recover and heal. One of my favorite things about Chinese medicine is when a woman is pregnant, we are to not watch any scary movies. You're not to be around, like almost to not even pay attention to the news. There should be no fear ignited because it can affect the spirit of the child. And I just love that, you know, and I I tell women that too, and it's postpartum as well, because you can, you know, we'll say things like you can, you know, you can catch that fear, you know, you're very open after you deliver, you know, or have that child and, and your energies are are quite vulnerable. So that's part of the rest period as well to really protect mom and of course, to protect the child too. How would you describe 
putting these two kind of approaches together in your mind? Like, do you see it as complementary? Do you see sometimes one side uh, maybe doesn't believe or lend merit to the other? Like, how, how do you combine Western both? Western Yes, exactly. Um, I think they're wonderfully complementary. I do uh, in the right hands, right, or at the right time. So... You know, I I understand Western medicine a lot, and, I, and I'll work with my clients, and you know, and I'll look at their blood work and their labs, and so I can help identify potential things that are you know that need adjusting. Of course, I'll, I'll identify from a Chinese medicine diagnosis perspective, and then I'll look at the Western, and I, so I'll encourage you know maybe you should talk to an endocrinologist and and you know get at, you know thyroid double checked or whatever. Maybe we need extra support there. Um, but I do, I think that there's a really nice intermingling of the two. Personally, I mainly use Chinese medicine in, in my life. However, you know, my, my dad um, had cancer several years ago. And, you know, it was a perfect example of we really, we meshed both worlds. And, you know, although he passed, he still had an incredible quality of life for, you know, for as long as he lived, you know, with a, a stage four cancer. And I know it was because of, you know, I mean, I made bone broth like 17 times a day, probably. Um, no, I, we, bone broth was always cooking and, you know, and then his diet, we changed things and it was very Chinese medicine and he was taking Chinese herbs and he was getting acupuncture regularly. And his, his Western doctors completely supported the entire process. And I had him on a host of supplements and, and they would always say, We're, we can't believe how well he's doing with the, you know, level of cancer he has, if you will. And, and his mindset was incredible as well. But, um, but I do think, you know, in, in such situations, it's necessary. I mean, I wound up having a C-section with my son, and that was definitely not what I dreamt or, or wanted, if you will. But I also, you know, in that moment when I saw things that maybe weren't going the, the, the way that I had wanted them to, I just looked at my doctor and I said, this is what you do. I trust you. You know, if, if your instinct is that you need to take him out, then let's do it. And I think my healing was radically different than a lot of women that had those emergency C-section experiences because it feels very traumatic. It feels out of their control versus, you know, it's just this understanding of, of I guess, when to just allow things to unfold. And, and I think that's, that's a lot of the, you know, meshing of, of Western and Eastern medicine. But there's so many ways that they complement each other too. Right, right. You, you had already talked about this concept of fear going through your body and how that affects healing. What is the relationship between our thoughts, our mindset, and our health? I think there's a couple layers to it. Um, one, which I talk about a lot in body, well, I talk about all of these in body belief, but um, your thoughts dictate your behaviors and your behavior dictates your, your health, your life, your perception of the world. Um, so, what we think does impact how we interact in our world. What we think also has been scientifically shown to impact our physiology and our neurochemistry. So, you know, they've done some interesting studies where they'll take cells and put them in a dish and then expose them to stress hormones like norepinephrine or cortisol, and the cells will die. Or they'll, you know, they'll just show signs of degradation and, and severe inflammation, and they, they can't survive. 
And then they'll take cells and put them in a Petri dish with hormones that are the happy hormones like oxytocin and serotonin, and they go crazy. They're just the happiest they can possibly be. They're thriving. So I think that's another thing that Western medicine shows us, that our, our thoughts really do dictate and impact our physiology. And I even, you know, in, in body belief, I talk about this a lot too, and I talk about it in my previous books as well. I've been talking about how our thoughts impact our health on, you know, I think for, for probably 10 years in, in my books. But, you know, our our beliefs, um, when we're not cheering for ourselves or rooting ourselves on or believing in ourselves, right, when we're, when we're choosing to, you know, I think see fear more than we see love, you know, even... You know, I think they say something like, um, we have 50,000 thoughts a day. 90% of them are the same every day, right? So so it's really, you have to begin to understand what your thoughts are. That's the first step. But to, you know, to see that our thoughts can work against us and create, you know, I talk about, there's all this talk about inflammation, right? And, and everybody has to, you know, we're all in these anti-inflammatory, you know, turmeric and ginger and, you know, like, oh, it's anti-inflammatory. I need to do it, you know, type of thing. And that's great. I do. I think that's great. You know, so there's these anti-inflammatory approaches from a dietary perspective, from a lifestyle perspective. But what about emotional anti-inflammatory approaches? You know, and so that's the same thing. Like our beliefs can be highly inflammatory um, and really aggravate our system. So autoimmunity, my, my latest book is all about autoimmune diseases, and that's mainly because when I was writing Yes, You Can Get Pregnant and doing my research... I started to see, you know, I was a research scientist, right? So I, I love the research and I love digging and, and exploring and doing the detective work. It's my favorite, really one of my favorite pieces. And you, you start to see this consistent pattern that all of these unexplained fertility challenges, I don't even, by the way, use the word infertility. I'll say it right now so I can be clear that I don't ever use it um, because I think it's a highly hostile word and it's just, it's, you're begging for problems actually, you know, and I, and I say that with love and compassion. I don't want anyone to feel like they're to blame for their situation, but just check your words, you know, check your language and check what you say. Because if you're walking around talking about how infertile you are all the time, your cells hear that and they start to respond. So, Anyway, I was doing this research, and I started to see, oh, that's so interesting. Like endometriosis is an autoimmune condition. Polycystic ovarian syndrome is an autoimmune condition. The two most common fertility challenges are actually autoimmune conditions. And then you look at the stats of autoimmunity, and they're, they're on the rise. It's like epidemic proportions. There's estimates of like one in four people now have an autoimmune condition. Um, and it's affecting women 75% more than men. So, you know, we can look, Western medicine looks and it says it's the environment for certain, all these toxins in our environment. We've introduced 100,000 chemicals since the 80s. Um, that's causing these endocrine disrupting chemicals and it causes the autoimmunity. But my Chinese medicine training and, and even my spiritual, you know, um, teachings and growth over the last decade, I'm, I'm you know, I, I have to look at it a little differently and say, but where in there are are we causing this, you know, if the autoimmunity is basically like the body's attacking itself on a cellular level, I, I bring up the question of where are we attacking ourselves on an emotional level? And I think that's something to, to sit with and consider because it's, it's that emotional hostility and those, those 
beliefs that we have about our body, like your fear of my body is weak, my body is weak, your body will begin to respond in that way. Out of curiosity in this room, how many of you either have an autoimmune condition or know of someone who has an autoimmune condition? Raise your hand. Basically... 99% 99% of the room. Yeah, and that's those are the stats, you know. Um, and I do think, too, I mean, I talk about this in Body Belief, too, that there's four limiting um, beliefs that we have about our body. And, and the first one is that I am my illness. So, you know, as much as we know about the illness um, and maybe a, a diagnosis personally or a family member or a close, you know, loved one, friend, what have you, that we don't let it lead us. You know, we don't let it define who we are. Rather, we, you know, we can we can shift the conversation of, yes, I was diagnosed with X. I have this condition. However, I am learning how to shift things, right? I'm learning how to take the power back over my health. Um, I'm understanding how my mindset plays a role here, how my lifestyle plays a role here, right? And so beginning to just shift that conversation because beliefs are are, I think, challenging to shift, right? We have to we have to believe them a little bit. So it's hard to go from I have X to I'm perfectly, I'm healed, I'm 100%. You know, that's not necessarily believable for a lot of people. So to go from I have this illness, I understand it, um, but I'm learning how to shift it, and other people that were in my shoes have healed, I can too, right? So you start to kind of coax yourself into a more supportive, more loving, more kind belief. This is a great place to take a break. Coming up, more from Amy Rupp. We will talk more about how exactly we can shift our beliefs into one of health. Do you have a story or a comment you'd like to share? I'd love to hear from you. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at All Possible Show. You can also connect with me directly at my own website, beingmypurpose.com. Hi guys, Julie here. This episode is sponsored by Lisa Wolfson, who's a medical Reiki master, teacher, and birth doula. You may remember her from episode 68, where we talk at length about how she was an important part of my labor and delivery for our son, Jonathan. She's such a loving person. She gave us a sense of peace during this experience, and I highly recommend her. She's also a crystal healer and a transitional doula. So if you want to learn more and work with her, just contact her at reikiwithlwolfson at gmail.com. And this is awesome. She's offering 20% off for her services and trainings. All you have to do is mention all possibilities. And again, that email address is Reiki with L Wolfson at gmail.com. That's R E I K I W I T H L W O L F S O N at gmail.com. We are back. I'm here with Amy Ropp, and we are here live at Corsite Research in New York City. 
So Amy, we were just talking about autoimmune disease, and and I I guess I don't like the term disease, 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 <laughs> disease. And so when I was in high school, I had、uh, something called ITP, which the first term is idiopathic, which I hate, which means you just. Unknown, no, no one knows what's cause, going on.、Yes. The doctors have no clue, and and so I had weekly blood tests. Essentially, I had a low platelet count, and it was low enough that it could have been fatal. And I didn't realize until I had retinal hemorrhages. That is hemorrhages、wow. on my eyes. So, so my vision is obstructed. And so when people say like, "Can you see this?" It's because I I can't actually see with part of my vision. And and so the idea of of My beliefs creating something like this, as well as、um, environmental factors that you had talked about. Looking back with hindsight, I can definitely see that during this time in high school, it was very emotional, lots of stress, trying to get into college, SATs, you know, all of these things. And and I know I could have done something about it, but I didn't have the tools to think in this way. And so, how would you、uh, recommend for people to start thinking about、um, their condition more in a temporary way, in that they can actually shift it? It's it's something that can heal. And and I ask that because I'm still grappling with the idea that I can heal my eyes, that the damage to my retina is not permanent. And so, so yes,、yeah, so、that's sort of where I'm coming from. Just to how, how what's your?、Uh, yeah, I think、there? again, there's there's a couple layers, right? So I think from the cellular perspective, is we're different cellularly about every three months. Our entire body, you know, renews itself. So there's that, you know,、um, and so how you decide to support and nourish yourself impacts that that cellular renewal, and you know your lifestyle as well. And then of course I do、um, think your your thoughts and your beliefs. So I think a it's you know to look back and and not beat yourself up over did I miss something? What was I thinking about? Did I create this? I would rather just we just accept this is where we are at. Right.、Um, I think there's a lot of power in the acknowledgement. I think when we continue to deny or not allow ourselves to feel what we're feeling because we think it's too negative, or you know, we live in this culture now where everything has to be positive and happy all the time. It's like a lot of pressure.、Um, you know, so to just sit with that and just say, okay, so this is where I'm at, and then. To remind yourself, though, that you can heal. That this nothing is permanent. We all know that, right? Change is happening all the time, and to begin to embrace that, and and then to also see that you you really do have a lot of power. I mean, a you have a lot of power over, I think the the food you choose to eat, the people you choose to surround yourself with, to an extent. You know, some of us might be in work environments that aren't always. The awesomest, and we can't necessarily shift that, but we can shift our perception some, right? And、um, and do some little exercises to shift that. We can choose, you know, our thoughts too. So, but in order to do that, and I and I have a lot of tools in in body belief, but one of you know the first pillar of the body belief plan is to reconnect, and. So I think that's where it all begins, where the healing begins. Is you know, according to scientific literature, we cannot cure 
an autoimmune condition. I necessarily, I'm not sure I 100% believe that, but we can heal from it, which, so cure just means we can't completely eradicate it. You still might always show low platelets on every blood test for, you know what I mean? And your retina still might show some damage if you were to have scans. However, um, you can become symptom free. And so, but there's a multifaceted approach, right? I, I, you know, in, in body belief, you know, I, I layer in the, the emotional piece along with lifestyle and diet and all of that. But to start with the reconnecting of just basic things, tune in every day, several times a day, if you can, and just notice your thoughts. What do you say to yourself when you look in the mirror? What do you say to yourself when you're getting dressed in the morning? What do you say when you first get out of bed in the morning? You know, or is there an internal dialogue that begins like, oh, I hate my job. I can't believe I have to go to that freaking job again, you know, or whatever, like, or you look at your partner and you're like, ugh, this person, you know, like whatever. <laughs> or are you, are you happy and, you know, so appreciative? Do you look in the mirror? Do you even look in the mirror? That's a big question. Do you even look at yourself in the mirror? Can you find one thing that you like about yourself? And start to just massage those beliefs. But first, you have to recognize them. First, you have to reconnect in a way that allows you to hear the conversation you're having with yourself in the privacy of your own mind. We are, by nature, created in a way to be on the defense, right, to protect ourselves. So by nature, we kind of look for problems more than we look for solutions, right? But we can we can shift that. You know, we just have to begin to really identify what the conversation is. And I think, you know, the limiting beliefs that I talk about in body belief are I am my illness. So, right, how are you presenting yourself to the world? You know, what's your elevator pitch, right? You know, what's your 67, 60 second spiel about yourself? Like in, in how many minutes of you talking about yourself does the disease or illness come up, right? How identified are you by it? Um, do you believe you're worthy of feeling better? I think that's a really big question to ask yourself, you know. Um, are you still beating yourself up over things that you did in your past that you th you're just not letting go of, you know? And, and so beginning to identify, you know, how much am I identified by my illness? How much do I feel worthy of feeling better? Another really common limiting belief is it's my genetics. So that's one that people talk about all the time. Oh, you know, well, my mom had breast cancer, so, you know, um, I'm going to have it or, you know, whatever. And you, you can, I mean, you know, we come from, I think, similar schools of thoughts. You, you, you can create that in your life if you believe it long and hard enough. You really can. And there's a cellular, you know, there's a cellular response to those beliefs. And there's you know, obviously an emotional. And then your perception shifts. And you just begin to see the world differently. And, and everything you look at, you think, oh, that's going to give me the breast cancer that my mom had, right? And it just creates this... Um, this pattern of, of beliefs. And the more you believe, the more you will see the support about that belief in your environment. Whereas if you begin to question it and say, oh, you know what, though, there's this whole new realm of science called epigenetics. And it tells me that um, even though I might have this predisposition, it doesn't have to manifest because I can make lifestyle choices that support these genes either being turned on or turned off. So it's actually not true, you know? So it's almost like beginning to hear the beliefs and then beginning to, you know, I say question them and massage them into, you know, so it's not going from black to white. It's like slightly gray, a little more, you know, grayish white, a little more white, right? So just this conversation with yourself that you begin to support yourself more than you're beating yourself up. 
in the case of autoimmunity too, it's a perfect example. If, if our body's attacking itself on a cellular level, you know, you, you have to look at this emotion. I mean, that's how, that's how I'm trained. This emotional level, where are we attacking ourselves? And autoimmunity is actually a case of cellular misidentification. That's, that's kind of how it's viewed in the Western world. Um, there's a Yale graduate, Purdy, what's his Purdy medical, well, what, no, it's plant paradox is the name of the book. Um, he writes a lot about similar things in his book on autoimmunity, a lot about the foods and things like that. But, um, he talks a lot about this, this cellular misidentification. And I take it another step further in body belief where it's, where is there an emotional misidentification? Where have we gotten away from who our true self is? And that's part of that reconnecting too. And, you know, where have we just slowly given up parts of ourselves to other people or to situations, to relationships, you know, um, where are we carrying other people's burdens or, or prioritizing other people ahead of ourselves and to begin to realize, you know, in the reconnecting that, you know, it can simply be, it doesn't mean to not take care of others or, or honor other people in your life, but to maybe look at it differently. What, what joy do you get out of doing that versus this feels like a chore, right? And then also what joy do you get out of honoring yourself and, and nourishing your body and, and listening to the cues your body's giving you and responding? How can I better support you, right? Like when was the last time you ever asked yourself? When was the last time you ever asked yourself? When have you ever asked yourself, how can I better nourish you? I try to ask that every day, you know, and every day I hear something different. A lot of times it's like, slow down, take a deep breath. Um, don't try to do too much, right? Go outside and just play in the grass with your son. You know, so I hear something different every time I ask myself that. And, and that's our, our, our subconscious talking to us. And, you know, most of the time we're ignoring those cues and we also use our world in a great way to disconnect, right? We're on our devices, we're, you know, watching TV, we're, overeating, we're, we're doing all sorts of things, alcohol, drugs, you know, to just completely numb out and disconnect. So it's, it's about this reconnection and beginning to hear that inner dialogue. And, you know, I actually in the book and I, I give you tools, like I want you to write it out. I want you to acknowledge the statements. And then we're going to, then I have, I have this tool. It's called the art of shifting your beliefs. It's acknowledge, reform, transform. So you acknowledge, then you begin to reform it. And then over time it reforms into something better and a little you know, it just over time you begin to believe it and it, it feels good to say it to yourself versus when you say something that is, is, um, abusive to yourself. Mm. Did I get totally off track? I feel like. I no, did. you didn't. This is, <laughs> I'm curious, is it as simple as the more we speak to ourselves with this, um, kind of it's almost like dividing ourselves into two where there's a true self and then there's something else. Maybe we're pretending something or we're expressing ourselves in a way that may not be uh, in complete it's alignment. We have to be right in the outer world versus who we really are. Right. And, and in New York, there's, there's a lot of that. There's a lot oh, of that. Definitely a lot yeah. of that. <laughs> Is it as simple as because we do that on a day-to-day -day basis, you said 50,000 thoughts, are we kind of, encased in cortisol are we are oh we my just gosh, like living yeah. in uh -huh. stress hormone which then affects our cells and how whether some genes are turned on and off and then is it as simple as like like 
help me understand what, what will go on in my body when, when I start thinking a more loving thought to myself. What, what exactly the cortisol happens? levels will go down, mm-hmm. you know, and serotonin levels will go up. And so I guess just generally speaking, inflammation will go down. Your body will feel less under attack. So, right, you know, we can talk about that fight or flight response that's inherent in all of us. We needed it to, you know, run from the lion in the jungle, you know, however many years ago. And, and we all need it. It's a survival mechanism, right? But what's going on in our world today is it's getting initiated 20 times a day. And so we're in this constant state of, and it's, it could be initiated from social media. You know, you look at someone's Instagram and, and, you know, it's, um, you know, what what is, yeah, Buddha says, um, comparison is the root of all suffering, you know? And so that, oh, they have what, oh, look at where they are. Oh, look at their traveling again. And, you know, I'm such a loser. You know, it's like, I'm just still here in the city doing nothing. You know, it's like, and then all of a sudden you're in this thing of, oh, my life has to be better. My life is so bad. I can't believe, you know, I have to do all these things. And, and you know, it's just, it creates this internal, you know, this, this, this flight mechanism, fight or flight. And so that the stress hormones just go through the roof and the inflammation goes up and, and the cells start to degrade and, you know, then we're more likely to be pre, you know, the, these diseases are more likely to manifest. Whereas if we, you know, take more of an approach of I'm always where I'm supposed to be, right? Um, my life is unfolding perfectly, even if in the moment it doesn't feel, you know, as perfect as I'd like it to feel or, or what is perfection, I suppose is another thing to question, but, um, starting to, allow and let things unfold and go with the flow versus, you know, constantly being on and feeling like all the the have-tos, you know, all these things that we need to do to to be accomplished, to be esteemed, to be successful, right? So there's a lot of pressure. And I think that's a really big case for why autoimmunity is affecting women more than men. I, you know, over last several decades, right, you know, now women not only, you know, typically are in a partnership and then have children, but now we have careers. And and then we also have to look good on social media and, you know, and, and keep up with everyone. And there's a lot of pressure that we put on ourselves. And I do, I think our body is responding in this in this way. In your book, you talk about self-love. Yes. Very it's cliche. always a, the concept to me is, is familiar, but it's in the execution of it. Mm-hmm. That is I know. where it gets a little yeah. challenging. I think we are, I speak for myself where I know what I need to do in order to feel better in order to X, Y, Z, whether or not I get over the hump to actually do it is a whole nother thing. What do you uh, suggest for something like that? Um, as one of my favorite spiritual teachers, Abraham Hicks always says, is just be easy on yourself. You know, I think that's the root of self-love is having compassion and kindness for ourselves no matter where we are. Even if we are on our path to the thing that we really want and we're in this space right now where it doesn't feel so great. It's, you know, it's looking for ways to, to enjoy the experience that you are in. And it's really being kind and loving to yourself. So 
it's, it's still that same thing. What is the thought? And then, you know, one of my coaches had taught me too of, I was able to identify like when I get, I can get into a bit of a tailspin and, and we identified, you know, it's a teenage version of myself that like I still default to at times. And, and, um, you know, it was like the angry young woman inside of me. Right. And so now when that spin starts, I can identify and I can be like, oh, right, that's the angry young girl that's still inside of me. And instead of, you know, trying to thwart that that thought or feel like it's wrong or allow it to come up and out, I mean, you know, I, I, I look at her and I have a lot of compassion and I say, okay, I, I see where you're coming from. But how would the, you know, the adult version of me or the version of me that I, I really want to be, how would she respond to this situation? You know, so it's, it's consciousness. I think it's really about consciousness. It's really about slowing down, being present, the awareness, and then also the softness in all of that. You know, we're not, we're not seeking perfection here. We're not robots. It's, it's about this understanding, you know, Chinese medicine, we say, um, we're one of the philosophies is as, as we get older, we need to become more flexible in the body and in the mind, right? So it's these flexibilities, which, you know, I've been practicing in New York city for 15 years. And one thing that's really common amongst majority of, of New York city women that come into my office is extreme inflexibility. Things have to be a certain way at a certain time, and this is how it has to be. Like, it's just this execution. You know, they have this timeline, and they want to execute, and they need to execute. And, you know, I, I was like that, too. That's why I said earlier, you know, the, the medical school thing, that was one of the greatest blessings of my life. I mean, it was devastating. You know, my, my college roommate and best friend was with me when I got the news of my first MCAT scores. We were in um, Paris, and I hung up the phone, and or did I, before I hung up, I said to my father, I think I'm just going to stay here. Like, I was just like, that's it. My life is over. I'm staying in Paris. I'm not going home. You know, and it was, I was so inflexible. That was the only thing I wanted and I didn't get it. And that was it. My life was over. Right. Obviously I've, I've, you know, matured since then. I think I was 20 something years old. Um, but, and you know, but, but I still have compassion for her and I look back and it was, I, I get it. I understand why that hurt and why that, you know, so it's, it's like looking back at yourself and, and even forward at yourself and just where in there can you be a little more understanding and compassionate because self-love it's cliche for certain, but we all deserve it. We're all really worthy of it. You know, I think at the core of so many of these things is, is feeling unworthy, um, and feeling like I think we have to give it more than we are allowed to receive it. So compassion and kindness. I mean, I really think it just comes down to that. And just, you know, Abraham always says too, how can I say it better? You know, it's just that question of like, okay, I heard the first thought. It wasn't so kind. It wasn't so nice. You know, almost put on that like friendship filter. How would I say it to my best friend? And, you know, and if I wouldn't say it to her this way, then I have to reframe this, you know, so it's just putting on that filter for yourself. Let's take a break. And when we come back more from Amy Ropp, we're going to learn a little bit more about the client stories that she has and what we can learn from them so that we can empower ourselves.
Are you thinking of starting a family or know someone who is? Maybe you or your significant other are already pregnant and have a lot on your mind. My mission is to empower people to know all possibilities in every part of their lives. And family life is an important part of it. If you feel this may be a helpful resource or perspective for your friends and family, please share this series with them. You never know what kind of confidence, positive outlook, and sense of peace it may bring. Thank you for sharing all possibilities with others. Welcome to Hashtag Moms Got This. Get your mom life fix four days a week. I'm Michelle Park. And I'm Stacey Eagle. Together, we chatted up with a new boss mom each week about her journey and why she's got this. Make sure to subscribe and show us some love on iTunes, Google Play, and wherever the best podcasts are found. And remember, Moms Mom's Got got This. Amy Rob, Amy, I love hearing client stories because it's inspiring. Mm-hmm. It's hearing the experience of someone else who has maybe lived a life that's similar, or maybe it's not similar, but there's something about their story that resonates with us. Can you share some of your favorites? I have my own story, which I talk about in the book, but it's a good one to share, I think. So I have a nagging autoimmune thing, eczema, which is, it's a, it's a sign that autoimmunity is, is going on in the body. I've had it my whole life. Um, and it seems to only come up now for me in times of stress. So I, I had a child about three years ago and, you know, he's, he's awesome. And it's, it's been a lot of fun. And I was, I was breastfeeding and I was having a good go at it. And at about, I'd say like nine months in, you know, I started to feel kind of drained by it. And, but I'm in the health and wellness world and, you know, you should breastfeed till they're four, you know, um, (laughs) people will judge you, you know, you, you better do that. Um, and you better post about it on Instagram, you know? And, um, so I had this internal, dialogue going on, you know, where he was over it. He, he didn't want any more to do with my breast. You know, he was really into the bottle. Uh, he was too busy. And, you know, and every time I pumped, I literally felt like emotionally, physically deflated. You know, I was just like, oh God. Uh, and around that time, I got the worst case of eczema that I've had um, since I was engaged to the wrong guy and I had eczema all over this hand with, um, where the ring was, which was very interesting. It's very telling. Very localized. Yes. Very localized. (laughs) Uh, And I saw every doctor under the sun. I was doing like these Chinese herbal soaks. And finally one of my, um, one of my best friends that I grew up with, she was a nurse. And I said to her one day, I said, do you think it's a platinum allergy? And she said, no, I think it's a Ryan allergy. And that, and then she was right. I broke the engagement, and the, and the eczema went away. But so, um, simple, brilliant, yeah, simple, right? Just get in touch, like understand what's going on. My body was screaming no, and so then I got the craziest case of eczema on my left breast. I mean, it was just covered in eczema and painful, 
you know, I was like itching my breasts in public. I mean, I just couldn't control it. It was, it was out of control. No cream would work. My diet couldn't have been like, I was, I hadn't written body belief yet, but I was really living that life for sure. Um, and I, I just, I couldn't get it under control. And you would think it would be obvious to me that, you know, what's going on is my body saying no more, no more, no more. I, I just, I didn't even put it together. I don't know why. I was um, with a good friend in the car uh, one day and she's also in the health and wellness world. And she said to me, what do you think is going on? And I just started like hysterically crying. And I said, I don't want to breastfeed anymore. And I feel really guilty about it. And I feel like everyone's going to judge me. And, you know, and, and here's my, you know, red oozing breast. It was, it was horrible. Um, and, you know, at that point, then I just kind of, uh, I decided, okay, that's it. I'm going to stop. You know, it was maybe 10 months in and I had some frozen milk and we're, we're just going to end this. And then it slowly receded. And I just thought, you know, how interesting that so many of us will walk around with these like screaming cues, right, from our body and in this level of, you know, inflammation and we're we're just not paying attention to it, right? We're not paying attention to our body talking to us. We're not listening to these cues. And a, a huge reason why I wrote the pillars that I did in Body Belief is because over my clinical experience year after year, I could see, okay, I can tell them what diet to do and what supplements to take, and to meditate and to sleep seven to eight hours. But until people actually live in their bodies again and hear the cues from their bodies and begin to be kinder to themselves and more compassionate and listen to the screaming that's going on on the inside, do we really see that radical healing? So, you know, some, some interesting recent cases. Um, I think this is an interesting one. She had a handful of autoimmune conditions. Um, there's there's some autoimmune issues that are called they're called clotting factors, and they cause women to have habitual miscarriages. So they have like more than one loss in a row, and it's it's pretty devastating. And it's it's really what lit the fire under my butt to I think dove, dive deep into autoimmunity because I was just like I'm not going to witness any more of these. We're going to figure this out. Um. And it is this level of like the body rejecting, right, you know, um, the pregnancy. And, and there's a Western treatment for it for certain. And I encourage all my women to follow the Western treatment. Plus, we dive deep on the emotional level as well. And, you know, where in here do you not feel worthy? Where in here do you not feel like you're ready, like your body can do it, like you're capable? Because a lot of women after one miscarriage, they, you know, they feel broken and they're scared to get pregnant again, right? So then you can see that fear coming into play. But I had this one case where um, she had one child and then um, after that, you know, when they tried for their second, had a miscarriage, had another miscarriage, and then went on this slew of fertility treatments and was just like on the, the hamster wheel of the treatments. And I kind of met her in the middle of it all. So there was you know, she was very type A, very much on a timeline. Like uh, my kids can't be more than four years apart, you know, and, um, it just all these rules about how her life needed to look and be. And, um, and there was zero flexibility in that. And so I 
you know, and like a lot of my girls, I support them if they want to continue on the fertility treatments, if they want to take a break, I support them on that. Whatever, whatever works for them, whatever feels best to them is, is where I support them. And she wanted to continue on the fertility treatments. I got her to, I think, you know, the right doctors that address the autoimmune conditions. Um, but nothing was working. Every doctor that she had, she began hating, um, you know, and she really was pissed off at her body. You know, she just felt like my body continues to fail me. It does not support me. Um, she actually said to me one day, you know, it's just like, like we're on two different pages. You know, I just, my head's over here and my body's over here and there's just, we just don't communicate. And so I, I encourage her to take a break and, and, you know, do some deeper inner work, work with a more of a spiritual coach. And what started to come up was, you know, this was a lifelong thing. You know, she kind of always felt um, like her body had betrayed her. And it was things that she witnessed as, as a child. And, and, and although she was following the diet and she was doing the meditations and taking all the supplements and seeing the right doctor's, now she just wasn't getting pregnant anymore. So we went through this series of miscarriages. Then all of a sudden her body's just IVF, whatever, not getting pregnant, no, nothing. So she wasn't even, like, it's like she wasn't open to receiving anything, right? She was just completely shut down. And her husband had had it, and he said, we just can't do any more of this. You know, this is it's, it's just too much on you. I can't see you go through this. Because it became, it's all-consuming. It was her life. She wasn't even involved with her son anymore. And it was really devastating. She was really, really outside of herself. She was not living in her body at all. And so when she decided to take a break, you know, she took a break from everything. And, and, you know, then we had, we did a lot of this emotional work and just got her to start saying like one kind thing to herself every day, one way in which she supports herself, you know, because everything all of a sudden felt like, um, she had to do these things because she was broken. Right. So she didn't even see like any benefit to the diet or anything like that. It was just, everything was, I'm broken, I'm broken. And that's why I have to do these things. So I let her pick the things that felt best to her to do. And I kind of was like, let's just throw the diet out the window. Let's throw everything out the window. I just want you to get back to you, you know? So pick up an old hobby. Um, and she did, you know, she, she got back to things that she enjoyed. Um, they put trying to conceive on hold. Her husband convinced her, um, to look into getting a surrogate because they had some frozen embryos. I don't know if anybody knows much about fertility treatments, but you know, um, I hope, I hope a lot of you don't, to be honest. Um, <laughs> but so they had frozen embryos. They looked into a surrogate and, and she had called me, I was away on vacation and I, I took a call with her, um, to talk about the surrogate and the approach. And she was, she was apprehensive about it, but she also said to me, you know, but it feels right. Like, I feel like now, you know, I'm finally healing. I'm finally starting to love and accept my body more. And I just don't know if I can go through another failure. Like if we try to do another transfer and it just doesn't work. And I said, all right. So I helped her with the legal work for the surrogate and what vitamins the surrogate should take and what diet the surrogate should follow and all these things. And, and I said to her though, um, I said, but you have to promise me one thing. If you get pregnant at some point, you know, you call me immediately and then, you know, you're going to have to call the autoimmune doctor. And she kind of laughs at me and she's like, Amy, obviously I'm not going to get pregnant. Like I just did like five IVFs and they didn't work. Like my husband's just entertaining me and having sex with me. Like when I'm ovulating, like I'm definitely not going to get pregnant. Don't worry. And I was like, just, you know, and so they, you know, they paid the first installment to the surrogate. Everybody signed the papers. The next morning she got a positive pregnancy test. She calls me at like seven. She texts me at seven a.m. She's like, "Can you talk?" And you know, and so um, 
it was this incredible experience for, for both of us, really, to see that the second she, you know, I mean, obviously there was healing in between. There was probably six months where, you know, she, and she did, she worked with a coach and she really did. She tried to dig deep on a lot of these emotional pieces and, and work on the relationship with herself and, and the healing that went on. Um, and, you know, they were able to, to not go through with the surrogacy, um, the woman was really understanding of the whole situation and, you know, and she, she had a beautiful baby boy and, and it all, it all worked out. But to me, it was this, this big lesson in, in the surrendering too, you know, where she finally let go and felt like the pressure was off of her and that she, she didn't have to, she was putting so much pressure on herself to succeed. And, you know, and that's just one story, but that's happened, you know, maybe not the surrogate piece, but, um, when they decide to take a break from fertility treatments or or um, just go off on a fun vacation and not pay attention to, you know, anything, and then they'll fall pregnant when, when they weren't falling pregnant, when they were just thinking, thinking, thinking about it, right? And so, you know, it's an incredible transformation that I think the, the body, A, just wasn't getting all that pressure, so I think the cortisol levels, like all that stress stuff cut down, but also she forgot to think about how much of a failure she was every day because she wasn't putting herself into this experience that could potentially make her feel like a failure. Right. And, um, yeah, it was against all odds. You know, every doctor was like, you're going to need a surrogate. You're going to need donor eggs like this. Your body's just not doing this, you know? And, and I've had a handful of, of experiences like that since that case, there's so many variables that come into play, but to me, the the biggest piece, and, and we talked about it after the fact, I just had a case, um, 42 years old. They've been trying for six years. She's never been pregnant once. She's done dozens of fertility treatments and we were doing lots of work and we did a lot for the body belief diet and all anti-inflammatory and, you know, really regulated the immune system and all this stuff. I also gave her a book called Spirit Babies which is about the opening up to receive and connecting with the spirit of your child and um, kind of allowing that energy in. And she's a very straight-laced woman that this was like beyond. She just kind of was like, but she was at the point where she actually said to me, Amy, I will do anything. Fine. I will read the book. You know, fine, fine. Um, And so she was going through a fertility procedure that got canceled because she was not responding well to the treatments and, you know, they had said, okay, well, you know, you guys could still try it home naturally this month, you know, if you want, even though the fertility treatment was canceled. And she was just kind of like, uh, we've been trying for six years and that's never worked. So, yeah, thank you very much. And it worked. And she got pregnant. She's now, you know, she's she's planning her baby shower right now. She just emailed me about a, a, a paleo place um, near where I live because that's where she grew up. And... um and against all odds, again, I mean, her, from a Western perspective, her embryos weren't even growing in the Petri dish. Like, there was just, like, we weren't getting anything. There was, like, nothing going on. I, it's, I was even shocked, you know. Um, but we had done so much work, I mean, on her diet, but this emotional piece, this emotional layer, and I was working with her husband, and there was so many layers and layers and layers of, of shame and guilt and self-sabotage and... Um, you know, worthiness issues. And, and there was something about that book that I really feel like just opened her up to this other layer of, of belief. 
and it was like, she was probably like 12 weeks pregnant and I had seen her in the clinic and we were, you know, we were both, every time we saw each other, we would just cry. It was like so emotional. Cause I just couldn't, I still like, sometimes I can't wrap my head around it. Uh, it was so beautiful. And it's such a story of hope. And so she said to me the one day, she said, you know, the, I said all these changes and, uh, you know, I was going over everything that we shifted and, and, you know, how her body just fell into the right place. And, and she said, and, you know, I don't want to go too much into it. I don't want to talk too much about that, that book you gave me, but <laughs> yeah, there was something there that happened, you know, and I was no, no shit, you know, but, um, <laughs> where she just finally, I think just released and, and, I, with her, and we've talked about it since now, she can be more open about it, where she said, I finally realized that this wasn't just about me, that this was about a relationship, that I was allowing someone to come and live inside of me, you know, and that I had to be more open and inviting to them and, and, and stop feeling like, like I was the only one handling this, right? And I think the other side of it, too, was they started looking at adoption, right? So they took this pressure. It's like the pressure got off. She opened up to this spiritual realm. Did all the autoimmunity factors look better on her lab work? Totally. You know what I mean? Like lots of her symptoms changed. So and from, a, from a, a Western perspective, from a physical perspective, we saw shifts. But it was, it was that, that last piece was that emotional piece, you know, and it's just this, uh, this releasing of the pressure. It's like a valve and, and, and having hope again. I think people are afraid to have hope, at least, you know, a lot of the population I see. Um, and those are just some fertility stories, but there's, there's loads of autoimmune stories too, you know. Um, people feel relieved of the conversation that I have in body belief too because no one's talking about the emotional piece. And, and every autoimmune case has this layer of you know, and it couldn't even been like an environment you grew up in where it was just, it was just intense, you know, and you kind of had to follow the rules, right? And so there was like no deviation and you just kind of had this straight and narrow type of thing. So you really compartmentalize and I think you lose your identity some, right? And so then the body just, ha it starts to, it starts to deviate in these ways. And and we can unlearn those behaviors. And when we start to, that's when we open up the pathways for, for healing and change. Wow. There's, I can understand with pregnancy, just how emotional that whole journey is. And I, I spent a lot of time, uh, just spiritually preparing myself for pregnancy, de-stressing, allowing myself to receive. And, and those were all things that I didn't think about until, until we started thinking about children, because, you know, it's very easy to just live day to day and not think about these things until someone else comes down the line. So let's zoom out a little bit and let's say, you know, some, one of us, one of someone in the audience having maybe difficulties at work or just a lot of challenges, um, in career. I think that's a very typical New York thing. And then maybe they have some health issues, but, you know, they're doing, they're eating healthy or they think they're eating healthy. What would you recommend for people to stop kind of compartmentalizing their lives, like seeing their career, seeing their health or seeing their um, relationships and, and start communicating with themselves more? Like what, what do you recommend in terms of tuning in and communicating with their body more? 
to, to understand that how they're living outside of them is just a reflection of their thoughts. Yeah. And I, I think this isn't always easy to hear or, um, digest, but that we are responsible for how we feel, how we react in every situation, you know, and to take on that responsibility. So to start to see, you know, say there are physical symptoms, right? Um, I think a common one is like GI discomfort, like stomach issues um, or headaches. Um, when do they happen the most? Where? What people are you surrounded by? What are you thinking about? What environment are you in? And what thoughts are you thinking, right? And so to start to almost, you know, not almost, start to listen to the cues from your body and identify the triggers. And the triggers could very well be these emotional triggers or, you know, it's it's a work environment situation. So, you know, or it's a, a relationship situation, right? I um, I think one of the best things we can do is, well, there's a couple of things, but we can identify how it is we currently feel. We can make a list. How do I feel in my career? How do I feel when it comes to relationships? How do I feel when it comes to family? List it out. I feel whatever. Frustrated, alone, sad, you know, whatever. Um, how is it I want to feel is the other list. And to start to say then, okay, so we look at how does it I want to feel? I want to feel satisfied in my career, right? I want to feel more supported in my relationships, uh, companionship, right? So then to look at that situation and say, okay, where does that exist in my life already? Where are there certain areas of my life where I do feel supported or I do feel heard, understood? Um, you know, I, I do this thing a lot with, you know, I have this online fertility course and I have this whole group of women. And so they, they have a hard time believing in their body that it can just get pregnant, right? Because it hasn't worked for them so far, but yet it's, it's innate, you know what I mean? There's, we just, we just got to tweak the health and then it should work. So I get them to focus on the things in their body that do just automatically work that they don't think about and that they totally have faith in, right? And so to say, you don't necessarily have to think about fertility. I don't even need you to ever think about fertility ever again. We can just table that. Focus on the things that do work, that feel easy, that feel automatic. And it's, so it's the same even in, you know, if there's work relationships, it's like if, say, one of your coworkers drives you absolutely crazy, make a list of like five things that you think are decent about them, decent qualities, Focus on them before you walk into the room and chances are your perception will shift and, and their reaction to you will shift because instead of you walking in thinking like, oh God, you know, whatever, whatever, you know, your defenses are up. So then theirs go up. I did this for years with a, a personal relationship in, in my family and that's what I would do before I would walk into the environment. I would just make this list of like five things that I really like about this person even though there was 97 things that I didn't, you know, um, <laughs> just going to focus on these five things and I'm just going to like really try to embody them. And our whole relationship changed. And it was really, you know, it's like, I, first of all, I took responsibility that I was already going in ready to react. I was on the defense. Like I was like, Oh, he's going to say this and then I'm going to say this. And then this is what's going to happen. Like, you know, I was like, it's like explosive in my head. Like I had this whole dramatic thing playing out. Right. 
And when I started to do that, and it's like, and then now it's just automatic before I, you know, it's like I always say, I pull into the driveway, you know, of their home, and I just think about all these things about him that I like. I walk in, and it's like, it's just smooth. And I don't, you know, I think it's the energy I do. I mean, I practice in energy medicine, so obviously I believe in energy and uh, how things shift. But I think he can sense maybe even just my, you know, the way I approach him. And then he, he responds differently, right? So I think it's, it, we, we can do that in any aspect of our life. And so it's just about, you know, I think identifying the things that, how we currently feel and then how we want to feel and then trying to focus on areas in our life that when we feel that way, you know, so if you want more support, you want more love, you want more understanding, okay, where do I feel understood? You know, and so you focus on those areas of your life and then it gets easier to to start to see where, oh, well, sometimes in the relationship I am actually heard or, you know, they I do feel supported because we get into these, you know, it's the thoughts, right? We 90% of them are the same. So the thought pattern is this person doesn't support me. This, this job doesn't serve me, right? It's going nowhere, right? And then start to look back and say, um, oh, there have been shifts. There have been changes, you know, and I do that a lot with my clients in the clinic with physical um, you know, and we celebrate those, right? We celebrate every victory. Like, so it's a girl's trying to get pregnant. Okay. You got your period, but tell me what were the differences? How was your PMS this month? How was the bleeding? Like, what were the changes that you saw? And then they start to like celebrate. Oh, well, my body is improving. Things are shifting. No, or my digestion is better. I'm sleeping better. Right. And when you focus on that side, just a little more, then when you focus on this side, and so we're talking like 60, 40, 70, 30, it doesn't have to be perfection by any means. Just your whole energy shifts and your interaction with your world shifts, your behavior shift, and then your health and your life will shift too. Does that sound simple enough? <laughs> <laughs> it's work. It's not. It's beautiful. It's, you can't yeah. flip a switch. I mean, work also, I don't know how I like that word so much because I feel like that puts a lot of pressure on us too, but it's... It's consciousness. It's really just slowing down and the awareness and, and calling yourself out in a loving way of just like, like I do that all the time. Where I'm like, oh, there I go again. You know, there she is again, that angry young girl. She's coming up. Lots of love to her, you know, but we've moved past that. You know, we've, we've forgiven those grievances. We've let them go. And the more you say it, you know, again, like 90% of our thoughts are the same every day. You slowly begin to change them and then slowly... Those, they're, new, they're new thoughts and new beliefs. And then slowly things begin to shift. I think that's really beautiful how you've kind of laid it out there. It's like a roadmap for all of us. And I want to thank you for all the tools that you've given, the stories that you've shared in your own personal journey. I always feel like we're, we're truly living our purpose when, when we've gone through all these challenges in our own lives, we've learned something from them, and then we share them with the rest of the world. And that's really, you know, the, the best work that we can put out there. So thank you. Thank you. And how can our audience get in touch with you or learn more about your work? Uh, my website, amyraup.com. Kind of got everything you need from me there. Uh, you can follow me on Facebook, at Body Belief Expert. And then Instagram, Amy Raup. Instagram's one of my favorites. It's a um, guilty pleasure. So I'm always on there with like my Insta stories and things like that. So I feel like people get the most out of me there. 
And I do weekly Facebook Lives on my page that always coming up with cool, interesting topics. Um, and I love that. I love to share with my audience. So, yeah, there's lots of ways you can find me. And my books are available anywhere books are sold. And you can also find all of that on my website. Well, thank, thank you, you Amy, so much for so much. joining us, for sharing your words of wisdom. Thank you to our audience here for being here live with us this evening. And to you, our listeners, for this week, take these words of wisdom from Amy and be mindful of your thoughts. Take a look at that. And I really like the, the listing five things that you really like about either the person or your job or your health or your body, uh, take that and try it out for this next week. Let me know how it goes. And until next time, be on the lookout for all possibilities. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at All Possible Show. Episodes are available on iTunes, Google Play, and our website, allpossibilitiesshow.com. This show is produced by Mouth Media Network, copyright 2017, all rights reserved. No portion of the show may be distributed or published without the expressed written permission of the producers. Thank you for joining us. This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle.